Blog Talk Radio. You have tuned in to the Sports Docket with Ace Man and the Cross. The best sports radio show on Blog Talk Radio. Docking on Blog Talk Radio. It's the final day of March in 2008. If your docket sounds a little funny right now, it's because I'm Matt Primitero. Co-hosting today's show. I'm from the 7 Train Duchet, filling in for Ace Man. Ethan, thank you for having me on as your co-host for today's show. No problem. I'm Ethan Foster. And I've got a great show planned for you tonight as usual. And we'll get right into it. And of course, Matt you got to be very happy what you saw today from Young Han Santana, from David Wright, and from the 2008 edition of New York Mets, came off the right foot. Yeah, I mean, Santana was dominant today. Man, that changeup and, and that fastball, man, he was just locating everything. David Wright, with that bases-clearing double that he had, and I believe it was the fourth inning that he had. I mean, you know, that just set the game right there. Yeah, no question about that. And, of course, uh, we talked about uh, Santana um, making it with his change. I mean, Santana, uh, first three innings had his best stuff. Of course, then he gave, gave up the home run to Josh Willingham. But uh, Mets fans knew before we even got Santana uh, that Santana is prone to the long ball. But uh, he still he had a great performance. Of course, eight strikeouts, walked two, uh, exactly 100 pitches over seven innings. No, Peterson could have left uh, Santana in there for one more inning. Uh, got a little shaky in the bottom of the eighth, but uh, the Mets tacked on around the ninth and were able to hold on and win it seven to two. So I mean, I guess looks good so far for the first game. And Angel and Angel Bagan uh, in his first game as the New York Mets, uh, first game starting in the left fielder spot, uh, filled in pretty nicely for Moises Alou. Yeah, he did. He had that double down the third baseline off a of Hendrickson, which yeah. scored. The run. I mean, it looked pretty good, you know, not bad filling in for, you know, the 40-year-old Moises Alou. And, you know, also Jose Reyes went two, two for four. And then, you know, Luis Castillo, you know, God bless him with those knees. He laid down a beautiful, beautiful bunt down the third baseline. That was just terrific. I mean, all around, they played great. Uh, you know, Schneider, you know, had a pretty good day behind the plate, even though he went 0 for 4. He handled the pitching staff well. And, you know, Luis Castillo also stole a base today. And also, Reyes actually got caught stealing. I think that's the first time as a Met that he got his first CS before his first SB. But uh, uh, Reyes and Wright both got caught stealing the game. But, of course, the Mets who led the league last year with stolen bases at 200 on the nose. you got to expect they'll be stealing a ton more bases uh, as we go down the stretch this season. But uh, you know, Luis Castillo looks straight from number two spot. I mean, Delgado even contributed. had a walk and scored a run. And Beltran, a uh, two scorching doubles in the game. So it looks pretty nice right now for the Mets. Uh, they start off on the right foot, and they're 1-0 at the end of the year. And, of course, now Mets fans get to look forward to uh, watching old friend Tom Glavin pitch against the Pirates tonight. Are you going to watch that? <laughs> uh, yeah, I had, had a chance to catch the first thing. I've been watching baseball since about 10 o'clock this morning, Ethan. I've been switching in games. I watched a little bit of the Arizona-Cincinnati game, uh, mm-hmm. the Cubs. Milwaukee game. I saw even Lasting's Millage go deep against the Phillies, and the, wow. and the Nationals are uh, they're two and zero right now, <laughs> first place in the NL East. I don't know how many more days we could say that, but yeah, right now true. they're at top of the NL East. Well, a- anytime you beat the Phillies, and the Nationals did today, 
I believe the Nationals had a six-run inning. They had a five-run inning as well or something like that. Uh, they had a wild game against Philadelphia. And the Phillies were down 6-3 and then came back, and the Nationals scored, I think, five more runs. Village, of course, is a big game. So anytime uh, you be on the Phillies, I'm, I'm rooting for the opposing team. So. Yeah, I think I would be, too. i got to ask you, Ethan, what do you think about the new Nationals Park? Did you happen to see oh, the uh, game on Sunday? Oh, it's beautiful, especially with you have the uh, – the Capitol building and the, the lights going in the background, uh, that's really as much. Tell you what, RFK is like uh, nothing compared to the, the, the <laughs> National Stadium. I mean, that's, it's gorgeous, really. And, uh, the, you know, finally, I think, I'm not sure who said on the team, I think it was, um, uh, was it Ryan Zimmerman or Nick Johnson, but uh, one of the National players said, you know, we finally have a home to play where the fans can actually enjoy watching us play. So there's no question about that. Um, of course, when they were in March Joel and uh, now when they were in RFK for a couple of years. But now, finally, uh, the Nationals have got the baseball in that city. And I'll tell you what, the Nationals, the first couple of games, looked pretty good against division rivals and the, and the Braves and the Phillies. So. Yeah, that confidence is high, you know, with the new stadium. I mean, for a player, too, you know, you got your iPod charger in there, your wireless internet, you know, amenities. They didn't have an RFK. You know, it's really nice to be a uh, player on the Nationals right now. Yeah, well, I'm not sure how long Dallas Perry is going to last uh, at that eighth of that rotation, but I think the Nationals' offense uh, could keep them uh, in the NL East for at least up to June or July, even into August. But I don't think they're going to be um, a contender. I never thought they were going to be a contender. But I think the Nationals are definitely a much more exciting team than last year. I mean, and def- well, they were exciting in September when they beat up on the Mets. Uh, it wasn't really exciting for us back home, but it was exciting yeah. for, for their fans. But uh, I think I think Washington definitely they're going to have much better season than last year. But we'll see what yeah, happens. Just, yeah, I'm just interested to see how that ballpark plays out. If it's going to be a hitter's park, if it's going to be a pitcher's park. You know, because once the summer comes, that ball is going to be flying off the bat with the warm weather. Oh, definitely. That, that, I mean, it's interesting to see when you switch to a new ballpark, you want to see uh, if it's going to be um, more friendly to the pitchers or more friendly to the, uh, the hitters. Now, when you take a look at City Field, I think Mets fans already get the sense that that's going to be a pitcher's park just from our history. But yeah. uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. I mean, I, I think Wash, I mean, RFK was, RFK was a little bit half and half. I mean, when it got windy down there, it could have it was like Ridley Field. Balls were uh, really staying in the park. But we'll see what happens uh, down the stretch in Washington. But definitely the Nationals um, looking pretty good in the last first uh, couple of games. So Mets fans, we're rooting for the Pirates tonight to watch Atlanta fall to 0-2. But uh, it's very yeah, early. Right, yeah, right now, uh, Pittsburgh's leading that game one to nothing, and it's bottom of the third in Atlanta. You know, I wonder, I was waiting for Tom Glavin to allow seven runs in the first inning. But, uh, yeah. actually, well, he no, struck out three already. He struck out three already, and he's walked one, so far. He's got four hits. Well, yeah. Glavin, uh, yeah, so Glavin, of course, went back in the Braves uniform, back for the Tomahawks. That's the home game tonight in Turner Field. Um, Ian Snell, I guess apparently he must be the ace of the Pirates. Uh, apparently. Making the start. Now, they're actually are very interesting today. Of course, it's the first uh, open, most open day for just about every team in the league mm-hmm. outside of uh, Boston, Oakland, and the Nationals in Atlanta. But you have a lot of aces who are on the mound today. Of course, you had um, Sebastia, who I thought should have been also be on the side young. Sebastia um, making the start against Chicago this afternoon. And you had uh, Brandon Webb against the Reds. He looked good. And you have uh, Carlos Zambrano. So you had a lot of uh, aces going today. Uh, for the individual yeah, he, so, definitely. But uh, definitely, well, let's get back to this game with the uh, Mets here. And uh, you know what? Um, I, I was a betting man. I wouldn't have made a lot of money because last night I went on Sports Heaven and I said uh, that the Mets were going to win this game 8-1 to one and do a reverse uh, flip-flop of the uh, score from uh, game 162 of last year. And they won 72. So I did, I did get the runs, the total runs part, right? And uh, they only came out very strong today. Uh, they didn't score until the fourth inning, but uh, against a guy like Mark Hendrickson. Uh, yeah, Hendrickson didn't look that bad, actually. He, he was really pounding the inside corner a, a lot on the Mets, you know. A lot of 
dribblers here and there. He was really working on the outside, except for that fourth thing. That's that's when it really imploded, and the Mets scored six runs. Yeah, well, Beltran, he was, uh, Henderson was uh, really uh, throwing the ball toward the inside corner against Beltran, but Beltran, uh, being the great hitter he is, took advantage and, of course, uh, hit a couple of doubles in the game. And David Wright, I mean, this guy just continues to impress. Uh, when the base is loaded, hits the three-run double, breaks the game open, and, and that was really the turning point right there. Uh, you have to listen on the radio. That was the Fox Woods Fox turning point of the game. So David Wright uh, breaking it open there uh, with the three-run double. And, uh, you know, finally Randolph put Wright in the three-hole, and that really paid off. I think now we have Wright, Belch, and Elgato with a much more stronger lineup. Uh, Belichon's got any higher than cleanup. Oh, yeah, I agree. You know, the third spot in the line is supposed to be for your best hitter, and David Wright is the best hitter on this team. You know, he's, he's a no, line no. drive guy, sprays the ball, you know, all throughout the field. You know, you, you know, if the ball's on the outside corner, they'll just drive it down, you know, the right field line, which is what good hitters do. Mm-hmm. And interesting to see Reyes in this game. Reyes struck out his first at bat, looked uh, completely phased by Henderson on three pitches in the first inning. Uh, but then eventually he ended up the game with two hits and four trips, uh, quarter run, drove a run. So a nice shot by Reyes on uh, this game. Reyes got caught stealing. Uh, was, was actually out by a mile, and he, and he tends to, to say that a lot about Reyes. But he's actually yeah, that was, was a, that was a good throw. I mean, excuse me, good throw by Matt Trainer down yeah, to Matt, second. And then you know also David Wright got caught stealing. But David Wright got David Wright did get caught stealing as well at, at third base. You never want to be the, uh, was he, the, he wasn't the third out. Wasn't he the third out at third? I believe it was. He took a pretty, it was kind of a weird slide. He was trying to avoid the tag, and he went in kind of goofy, if you ask me, trying to avoid the tag. Well, you never want to be the third out at third base. But uh, David Wright, I mean, you can't take away what he did in this game. Uh, the two hits, uh, drove in three runs. And let's just get back to Santana's performance again. I mean, I mean, what do you think? Was he, Mets fans were expecting Santana to have, like, 15 strikeouts. I mean, the National League, um, there's no way that Santana's going to have the same type of numbers. You put it, I mean, eventually maybe he'll get in a double digits. Well, he definitely will get in double digits, you know that. But I think for the first time out there, uh, you know, feeling the National League, uh, playing in um, after, after the 20-minute delay uh, in, in, in Florida, uh, he looked pretty good. You know, he had seven innings, two runs, only on three hits. I mean, they were talking on the radio. Um, I'm sure they talking on TV as well. I didn't hear anyone mm-hmm. saying on the radio. They're talking about, uh, of course, anytime uh, you have a guy who has the first couple of innings as a, a, a Mets pitcher, especially with a guy of a caliber like Santana, Mets fans are daydreaming about no hitter, no hitter, no hitter. But uh, Santana um, gave him that uh, first hit to uh, actually the home run to Willingham. Yeah. And gave him a couple more hits. But Santana was really on his, on his game the first time out there. It looked pretty good. You know, his ERA is below three now. His first start, you know, he gave up the uh, short homer, but uh, the Mets yeah, that, was, that pitch, he left that pitch up, though. That pitch was a meatball right down the plate to Willingham. He just mm-hmm. launched out of, uh, you know, Dolphin Stadium. I mean, he looked pretty good. I think it was more of a comfort factor, really, with him. You know, as you were saying before, the no-hitter, I was that was in the back of my mind almost. I, I was just thinking, you know, fourth thing, what if? What if, you know, his first start, you know, in a Mets uniform, he throws a no-hitter, but... You know, then Willing Hand comes up, hits that home run off of him. You're like, ah, oh well, maybe, maybe next time. Well, maybe next time. Well, actually, he did walk the guy in front of him, uh, Mike. He, or he walked the hand of the mirror and walked into the home run with two outs. But uh, you look also on the Mets bullpen, the guy that you, uh, the Mets fans thought would um, make big contributions, uh, Matt Wise, uh, the right-hander, um, gave up two hits, only pitched a third of an inning. But then uh, Scott Schoenweiss and Jorge Sosa save, uh, will hold the game for Heilman, who picked ninth and struck out two. So overall, um, overall, the Mets ballpark was very good in this game. Uh, yeah, I was, was kind of – I'm not a big fan of Scott Schoenweiss or Jorge Sosa. You know, when Schoenweiss got into that jam and then Willie went to Sosa, I was thinking, oh, here we go. It's another rendition of last year's Mets. Yeah. Where you're bringing the wrong guy for the wrong situation, but you know, Sosa, you know, did the job, got the strikeout, you know, got the out. You know, that's all that matters. You know, it's a new start. I'm kind of hoping my mindset, you know, to to hopefully that Sean Weiss, 
you know, maybe last year was a fluke with him. Maybe, you know, the injuries really hurt him. But, you know, I'm trying to build that, you know, faith towards him, letting him come in more, I guess, more dire situations, more critical situations than the year before. I to remind our listeners, once again, you're listening to the Sports Docket uh, with the Quas and joining me alongside Matt Pinataro from 7 Train to Shade Radio Show right here on Blog Talk Radio. You can call us during the program at 1646-478-36. Oh, 1646-478-5118. And you can also IM me during the show at Quaster06. I am Matt at 7 Train to Shade at 8.30, rather. Patrick O'Keefe of Yanksblog.com will join us to talk about the uh, Yankees. Of course, got rained out today. Uh, they're looking at Chin-Min Wong against Roy Holiday. Um, they waited until about 2.35 p.m. before they called the game. I mean, the conditions in the, uh, the weather in New York today was absolutely atrocious, and the stadium was not ready uh, for an opening day. So they'll have, wow. to, push, so they'll have to push that back until tomorrow night at 7.05 by then. And they should be set to uh, have the final home opening at Yankee Stadium. How sad. But, uh, yeah, Chiming Wong, who was 20 and 19 and 7 last year, will go against Roy Holiday. That's, that's an ideal matchup uh, of two right handers, and that will be tomorrow night. So um, That's going to be a pretty good matchup at the stadium. Definitely. Uh, you know what? The Yankees want to go off to the right foot. I mean, last year we all know what happened with the Yankees. Uh, they started off in April, one of the one of the worst Aprils in their history, and they were pretty bad in May as well. And they finally got started to get, started going in, in late June, and eventually uh, they fell short of Boston and winning that winning that division. So the Yankees want to get it off to the right foot tomorrow night. And you know, A Rod's not known uh, for having good Aprils, but uh, it's just happening. The Yankees are uh, trying to start off the right way against Toronto, a team with. Utterly no offense. I mean, you can't expect the Blue Jays to really contend in that division. Uh, especially no, Roland's, Roland's out, too, for them, so it's kind of a damper on them. Scuro is going to be at third base for a while until Roland can get back to that lineup. Mm-hmm. No doubt about that. But, uh, again, we will be taking phone calls on our program, and it's just going to take a quick break. I will be right back. We're going to take a quick break here on the, uh, sorry, we'll take a quick break on the sports document with Floss and Madden right back after this. This is brought to you by My EDI Media, where media comes to play. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and thank you for tuning in to Sports Heaven with Mark and Evan Live. Yes, yes, good evening, fans, and welcome to another edition of Torn Apart. I'm your host, Jonathan Hoffman, among my co-host, Ronald. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Sports Talk NY this Wednesday night. Hope you're all uh, in for uh, the evening and going to hang with us and have a good time. Well, hello, everybody, and uh, how's it going tonight? This is Minor League Baseball Radio. Hey, yo, what's up? It's your boy, DJ Ray G, here on this Sunday night at 904 p.m. Central Time. How y'all doing up there, wherever you're at, in La La Land? Welcome, everybody, to the Coach Rogue Show. And what's up, everybody? 702, Sunday night, Matt and Jay Radio, back again live. And welcome to the Sports Docket here on Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Vince Lombardi Jr. Show. We are live from Rockland County, New York. Okay, and welcome. This is Frankie, the Sports Guy. Welcome to Sports Talk Live. And welcome to the Cemetery and Shade Mitch Radio Show on Blog Talk Radio. Hey, what's going on, people? My name is Kendrick Thomas. And welcome to Vincent Showdown here on Blog Talk Radio. You, you can't call it that after the Super Bowl loss. Of course, oh, it's not the it? Dynasty and Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. So I mean, hard. who was more successful this season, the Patriots or the Giants? Here's the question I posed. Game one of the playoffs, who would you rather have on the mound? Johan Santana or Ching Ming Wang? Well, <laughs> who would you rather have? Moose or Pedro? I well, think Johan and Pedro are the answers. And there's, you know, everybody says, oh, you know, this guy's good, that guy's good. You know what? They're all a bunch of uh, dirtbags, if you want my truthful opinion. And it says, yeah, I had knowledge of him using steroids, and that's just for Roger, no matter what he says, no matter what Brian Rackley says. He wants seven years, 150 million, just give it to him. The, the guy, he's worth every penny. The guy is really unbelievable. So basically what he's saying is that as long as you're hurt, it's okay to use it. 
I have a right. sore knee. Let me, let me, let me put HGH in my body. Oh, I, I didn't know it was going to make my biceps and triceps and my forearms three times the size they were. I know, I, I used it because I had a sore knee. That's DS. Seeing that the people felt were the most poorly run after the Knicks were the Nets at 30%, uh, followed by the Jets at 27%. The Mets then at 16%, and I guarantee you, if Chad Johnson leaves this year, Carlton Palmer will struggle. First person we had a chance to talk to was manager of the Wilmington Blue Rocks, Daryl Kennedy. Now, Daryl Kennedy has managed, he managed Ricky Ball last year for the Royals organization. Justin Smith deserves to be in the Pro Bowl this season. I don't think he deserves it if he didn't get it. And, and, and I think one of the big things for the Mets is Jose Reyes. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> he had 119 runs scored, but I don't think he really did anything in the month right. of September. Apple has teamed up with American Idol to provide American Idol performances on iTunes. Oh, there, there we go again. Once again, Apple with their iTunes shoving it around, shoving it in the face. Just go to myedimedia.com. And welcome back to the Sports Docket here on a Monday night. New time uh, for this week at 8.22 p.m. here from New York City. Um, and uh, aren't Mets fans glad that uh, they haven't gotten Barry Zito? Barry Zito was a disappointing um, pitcher in his first year with the Giants. Last year went 11 and 13. Here, right, almost at five. And today uh, got rocked by the Dodgers. Joe Torrey's first game. Uh, Game managing the Dodgers in the regular season. The Dodgers won it five to nothing. So uh, for the Mets, if you look at it this way, it was either going to be Barry Zito or Johan Santana starting this opening day game, and the Mets aren't they glad it was Santana rather than Zito? Yeah, thank God. If we would have Barry Zito. Uh, we would have been having some uh, some negative stuff going on. I don't think Mets fans would be too happy right now. I mean, watching the game, I saw about a minute of the game. Zito's curveball was just atrocious today. He did not have that thing working. I mean, just can't smack the home run off of one of his hanging curveballs. That mm-hmm. really, you know, jump started the game for the Dodgers. Now, Zito is not a National League pitcher. I mean, he, he for some reason, he just, there's some guys in the AL that come over to the NL and they can't find a way to, a rhythm to be successful. Uh, and you would think coming from the AL to the NL, they would be able to. Um, kind of refine their game to be a freaking I mean, Zito was a dominant pitcher for the A's for so many years when it comes to the Giants and he's, he's a mediocre pitcher at best. So, of course, well, guys, the Dodgers had Brad Penning going today and we know the pitcher he was, 16-4 and four last year had a fantastic uh, season. But, you know, Barry Zito was, a, was once a high-caliber pitcher and now he's gone to the San Francisco area and he's uh, not uh, made very happy faces down there. But uh, also some other games of note today. A wild one in Cleveland. The Indians, the defending AL Central champions, I think they could repeat again despite uh, Detroit rebuilding that offense uh, with Miguel Cabrera and the pitching staff for Dontrell Willis. Cleveland won today 10-8. to That's a wild one. Uh, Sebastian and Burley. Yeah, an interesting game. Tampa Bay uh, starting their quest for 80 wins. Uh, they won today 6-2 to over Baltimore. Milwaukee defeated Chicago. Remember, those two teams are in the race uh, for the NL Central uh, during the uh, meta part at the end of the season. Brewers uh, had Ben Chiefs against Carlos Zambrano, and Chiefs uh, got the win. They won 4-3. to three. Other games also today, had mentioned before, you're watching the Arizona-Cincinnati game. Of course, uh, Brandon Webb, the Cy Young. I believe it was the Cy Young, right? Uh, or was it Jake Peavy? Uh, it was, yeah, was Peavy yeah. last year. It was Webb the year before that. Yeah, PB starting tonight against the Oswalds. Again, a lot of um, of aces going today, of course, being that the first game of the season. How about that? uh, Excuse me, I didn't mean to, you know, jump in there. But how about uh, 
Fukudome for the Cubs today. Three, three for three with one home run and three RBIs in his Major League debut. How about that? Wow. Um, well, of course, Mets fans remember when Kaz Matsui had his Major League debut. <laughs> his, his first pitch, he hit a home run against Les Ortiz against the Braves a couple years ago. But uh, I remember that. A lot of hype for uh, Fukudome. And uh, the Cubs, of course, um, have a pretty – uh, probably the best offense in the NL Central, and that's huge uh, today. So what was, what was his stats? Uh, uh, he went three for three today, and he, then he hit a three-run home run in the bottom of the ninth to have that game. That was off of Eric Gagne to make the game go into extra innings, but the Cubs wind up losing four to three in ten. Wow. So not bad not bad for, you know, no not pressure bad. on you, three-run home run. Not bad at all. Definitely, wow. That's amazing. Uh, the Rockies and the Cardinals, uh, the Rockies, uh, their quest to defend their NL uh, title have to wait another day. Uh, they were rained out um, in St. Louis. Uh, that was going to be um, a 4-5 start time, and the Rockies having Francis. Uh, Jeff Ramsey, who was just nominal in the postseason last year against Adam Wainwright, who met him come to know to hate. But, yeah, uh, I don't want to bring that up. Why? <laughs> not to bring it up. I'll just say talking to <laughs> Had two doubles today, so that was amazing. A lot of I, can, I can't even that, – that name just gives you goosebumps. You know, any, even if you see the video, you just want to turn away. Yeah. And curveball into Beltran. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Mets, okay, the next uh, game two, um, Pedro Martinez is actually going to start for the Mets um, in April as opposed to in September. Uh, Pedro Martinez is going to make his second start. Uh, of the series, game two tomorrow night, a 7-10 start time against um, Netherlands right-hander Rick Vandenhurst. And these Marlins pitches seem to amaze me. Uh, <laughs> Pulling out guys left and right. Yeah, I know. I mean, um, this guy... Well, we're still, uh, we're still waiting for Sergio Mitre and also Josh Johnson to get back into that bullpen by, I think it was either May and then early June. They're expecting them back. So this bullpen might might be start, you know, taking shape of the young guys that had promised back when Girardi was coached. As you know as well as I do, uh, you can't just face the rotation of minor league guys. You need proven starters like a Johan Santana or a Pedro Martinez, even a John Maine, who's done it for um, the last year. I mean, the, the Marlins, really, they have no start pitching at all. When Don Trump Willis left, I mean, their whole entire rotation is, is nothing there. I mean, you talk uh, about that. You want to talk about the guys that they got from Detroit? Those guys are still a couple years away. So yeah, but they're gonna have one of those guys starting on Wednesday. Andrew Miller is going to start with Marlins there against Oliver Perez. So it should be interesting. I know one of the guys that they got, Cameron Mabins, is down in Double A right now. They're hoping for him to be up about mid-season. I mean, he was one of the key parts along with Miller in that Dontrell uh, Miguel Cabrera deal over the winter. Yeah, Pedro's making the start tomorrow with three and one last year. But Pedro, you know, Pedro um, has a fantastic one loss ratio. Has one of the best percentages in baseball history. But um, one of the teams that he's uh, not over 500 against is the Florida Marlins. In his career against Florida, he's six and six. So tomorrow he looks to break that open and uh, get it. I'll uh, actually join us a little bit. I guess we'll uh, have him a little bit early here. Um, this is our friend um, from Yanksquad.com. We've been on our show before. I'd like to welcome in now Patrick O'Keefe of Yanksquad.com. Patrick, thanks so much for taking time to join us tonight. What's going on? Hey, guys. Always a pleasure. Great. Uh, so, first of all, I guess we got to start. Um, we know you've been on our show before. We'll just remind our um, listeners once again of Yanksquad.com and uh, how it all started. Well, uh, I'm a big Yankees fan, lifelong Yankee fan um, since birth, and I also run a network of websites called the iFroggy Network, and part of what I do is develop websites around things that interest me, and the Yankees, of course, interest me very much, and uh, that's just how it got started. I thought a blog was a good idea, wanted to write about the team, and it got started like that. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, the game was rained out, uh, the opener, the last, final opener at Yankee Stadium, or the um, old Yankee Stadium, as you now call it. But uh, you right. think that you think the one-day layoff is going to have any effect 
on holiday or Chiming Wong, they think they'll be ready to go and give their best stuff uh, for tomorrow night. No, I don't think so. I don't think it's going to affect them at all. I think it'll they'll just you know just starting a day later, April Fool's Day. So I don't <laughs> see it impacting the team at all. Um, and of course, um, the lineups will be the same as well. But I mean, getting off starting off in April, uh, you think? Uh, I mean, a lot of Yankee fans are surely hoping that Alex Rodriguez is getting off to a good start because. When A-Rod's not clicking, the Yankees are not clicking, and the way they've gone the last couple of years, the Yankees have started a trend of bad starts uh, in April. What do you What are your thoughts about um, Alice Rodriguez getting off to a, a good start finally and, and putting the Yankees on the map early in the season as opposed to uh, in late June and August? Well, I think it's important that they do get off to a fast start, especially this season um, with the young pitchers and and also with Boston having to do all the traveling early on, like we did um, when we were in Japan, um, just to kind of take advantage of that however we can and to get out to a quick start as soon as possible. You know, A-Rod has, uh, last year he got off to a really fast start in April, of course, had 14 home runs that month. He got off to um, a slower start in 06, but you know, obviously he's a big part of the offense. And, you know, with uh, with the new deal and, you know, he's not in a walk here anymore necessarily, but he's still A-Rod and, now that he's got that contract out of the way, you, you have to think he'll go back and he'll produce the normal normal A-Rod numbers, 40 home runs, 120 RBIs at least, um, if not more. And, and, you know, we can't be, as Yankee fans, we can't be too uh, loyal. You know, we can't expect 54 home runs, 156 RBIs every single season. Um, you know, the 40 home runs, 120 RBI, he'll be the, uh, the cornerstone of the lineup. All right, Pat, I guess I'll go uh... – Next year, you know, Cano's Girardi has Cano in the sixth spot in the order. What do you think about that? Him being in front of Posada and Matsui in this lineup. The Yankee lineup is kind of it's kind of a funny thing because really you're shuffling a lot of aces, so to speak. Um, you know, in some regard, you know, Cano is such a dangerous bat. He could he could be the the best contact hitter in the lineup, or Jeter could be, or you know, someone else could be him. Him personally, him and his uh, his OBA isn't as high as some of the other players. But as far as him making contact, he can he can meet a matchup with anyone in the lineup. You know, you could put him at at any number of lineup spots, and, and he'd fill that role very well, just because he does put the ball in play, and he hits for average, and he drives runners in. Um, as far as him behind uh, Cano, I think that. He'll, uh, I mean, him, him, sorry, him behind Posada. Um, I think, you know, that's good protection for Posada, and he'll get an opportunity to drive in some runs in that sixth spot. So I, I think that he'll be fine there, or really anywhere else in the lineup. Now, um, I noticed that Matsui, the DH in this lineup, he's been pushed down all the way to eighth in the order. Now, or seventh, or, uh, yes, eighth in the order. Now, the decision by George Warren to bat Matsui eighth for the sole factor to have a uh, strong bomb in the lineup. I mean, the Yankees line is strong regardless. I mean, what are your thoughts on Matsui batting so low uh, in, their, in their lineup? Right. I think that a lot of fans kind of forgot about Matsui this offseason in a way, which it's hard, to, it's hard to believe that, you know, that could be the case. But, you know, there were some trade rumors as far as him headed out west or him leaving the team because of our surplus at the corner outfield positions with Abreu and uh, Damon moving over to the corner outfielder spot and then Matsui. So three guys for essentially two spots. Um, but I was happy we held on to him because he is such a consistent run producer. Um, I think maybe we're taking him for granted a little bit, but he goes out there, he drives in over 100 runs, he's dependable, um, he hits home runs. You know, he could be the best offensive outfielder this year. I mean, we don't know what we're going to get from Abreu or Damon necessarily, or even Matt Suey. So out of those three, he could be the um, the biggest producer, um, or one of the others could. I mean, they're all they all have that potential. But as far as him being in the bottom of the order, you know, it goes back to what I said a minute ago, just kind of shuffling a lot of good cards. Um, I mean, Matt Suey is a guy that can hit. He could hit three, four, five, six, uh, you know, putting him eighth is just a testament to how strong the lineup is, really. Yeah, not to mention he got married in the offseason without telling anyone, so, I mean. Right, yeah. that was pretty good. Pretty funny story. Yeah, Has anybody seen his wife? Anybody seen his wife? <laughs> I don't think anybody has. Uh, but, um, I know I haven't. <laughs> no, just drawing. Just drawing. <laughs> 
I guess, uh, you know, every, I'm a Mets fan, but I was wondering about Andy Pettit's status, you know, the latest news on him, and when can we see his next start? Well, he was placed on the DL retroactively, and he's going to be, well, he's penciling for, I think, Saturday, uh, which will be the fifth game of the season, so he'll be the fifth starter. And really, it's not, I mean, it's not just being on the DL, it's not, he's not even going to miss um, a full go through the rotation. You know, he's going to be that fifth guy, and it's not as early as they had him penciled in originally, which was, I believe, the second game of the season. But it doesn't push him back that, that far, and, and, you know, he has to be an important part of the rotation along with Wong as kind of the key veteran um, portions of it because, you know, we don't know what we're going to get from Messina, and then you have the young guys, which I'm, I'm comfortable with, but at the same time, um, the rotation is going to be anchored by Wong and Pettit. So I look for him to have just, you know, a similar year to last year, really. You don't know how the steroid um, speculation and admission and that whole mess is going to affect him, but from what we've seen, he seems to be pretty poised and um, has handled it fairly well. Now, now of course, uh, in the entire Yankees and Glorious history since 1996, really when it all began, with Mariano Rivera coming in, enter Sandman, you know, closing out games, and you know, uh, of course, with John Sterling, Yankees win, Yankees win, Yankees win, and the whole thing. Um, the question has always been how to get to Rivera, and this year, we, of course, you got Chamberlain there, but uh, can the Yankees really rely on guys like uh, Latroy Hawkins and Brian Beauty for the seventh inning, day in and day out? Well, I think that's what they're going to find out, and that's why Job is still down there in the pen right now. Um, that and his innings limit, but you know, I think what they want to do, or what what I would, what I think I'd like them to do, is to start him in the pen to keep his innings down, and then be the season he can move up to the rotation, and, and because that's really where his future uh, most likely is, because he is a starter and he has good stuff, and you know, when you have what's the value of you know 200 innings versus 80 innings. So if you get those those 200 innings from a, a good quality starter, or as he could be a top starter, then you have to go for that first. Um, even Mariano Rivera, who's you know a future Hall of Famer and the greatest possibly the greatest reliever ever, um, started as a starting pitcher, and you know he didn't have the uh, I guess he he didn't he just didn't excel at that level with with his pitches and with his uh, you know his endurance as far as how deep he can go into games. So he was converted to a reliever, and the rest is history. But you have to try it first to find out whether or not it's going to um, work out as far as being a starter. You know, as far as the pen, I think this is going to be kind of an addition uh, phase for a lot of guys these first couple months. Java will be the setup man, and then they'll throw Hawkins out there. You know, they'll throw um, Farnsworth out there and and uh, Brian Bruni or and you know see what sticks, I guess, so to speak. And there are guys in the minors that are kind of waiting to come up or that can be depended on, like uh, Ross Ollendorf or um, Scott Patterson. You know, there's a lot of different guys I think they're going to be auditioning and with the idea of getting Jabba out of there. Personally, I like Hawkins. I like the Hawkins signing a lot. Um, you know, he, he had a good year last year in Colorado, which, you know, isn't easy for a pitcher. And the one-year deal kind of keeps our investment to a minimum and gives him an opportunity to, you know, build on last year and get a bigger deal else year elsewhere, but from everything we've read, he's been a great guy in the clubhouse, so I really hope that he steps up and um, excels in that role, but if not, then there's a list of guys that'll follow him. Wow. Speaking of Jabba Chamberlain, you know, we had the Jabba rules of last year when he was in that bullpen. Now we got, a, you know, Yankees have a new manager, Joe Girardi. Are they still in effect, or are they a little different? What's the, what are the Yankees going to do with the, with the Jabba rules this season? Well, according to reports, there are no job rules. He's just another member of the pen. Uh, he'll pitch when uh, when Girardi feels he should pitch. You know, obviously they're not going to kill him or anything or throw, you know, <laughs> damage his arm, but he's not going to have those rules against him where he's got to pitch. You know, if he pitches one inning, he gets one day off, two innings, two days off, or that sort of thing. He's going to be like a normal reliever out of the pen now. Wow. Um, Patrick O'Keefe of Yanks Blog joining us right now. Now the starting rotation, of course, uh, Phil Hughes. We're gonna, um, I, think, I believe, we're gonna see him in this first series against Toronto, if not against Tampa Bay. I mean, what can Yankees fans expect of him in his first season? Uh, are we expecting 15 plus wins out of him? I mean, he's gonna generate definitely a lot of excitement at Yankee Stadium. Well, he is slated to pitch that uh, third and final game against the Blue Jays on Thursday, and you know he's gonna be. That makes him the 
well, the third starter. He was originally going to be the fourth starter. So basically, he's he's a part of the rotation, and you know, he'll he it's his job to lose, really. I mean, he's obviously a much heralded prospect. He came up, he pitched well last year, he pitched well in the postseason. So the expectation, and my expectation, is that he'll do well. I mean, he is a rookie, so you know, you may not be used to seeing that out of the Yankees as far as a rookie in the rotation. Wong did it a couple years ago and excelled, um, but. You know, he is a rookie, and we have to keep that in mind. He's not going to pitch like a, a, a six-, seven-year veteran because he's not a six-, seven-year veteran. He's going to go out there and give us a quality rookie season um, that you can expect from any rookie that has been as highly rated as he has. Fifteen games, I think that's, I think that's a decent expectation. I think, um, you know, that would be a successful season for him. And, but if he's going to be in the rotation all year and he's going to pitch for the Yankees in a competitive, um, you know, AL East and American League in general, then... Uh, 15 games is what we're going to need from him, at least, I think. Definitely. Um, now, of course, the big thing is uh, the Red Sox already played a couple of games this year. They're going to get returned back to their um, schedule in the, in the States tomorrow. Um, now, as you, look at, as you look at this division, I mean, of course, you have the, uh, the three um, Rush Rover teams, Toronto, Baltimore, and Tampa Bay, but – in your mind, as a Yankee fan, are the Red Sox still the team to beat? I think the Red Sox, you know, are the team to beat. They they they're the they currently hold the title. So um, there's something and there's something to that, like boxing, where you have the champion, he holds the belt. The Red Sox are the champion, and not only that, but they have a great team, and, and many people rate them, or maybe most prognosticators place them as the the best team in the AL East. Um, they are definitely the team to beat in the division. Toronto is um, a threat. They're, they're a very good team. Um, the Yankees obviously are a very competitive team. But the Red Sox are the team to beat. And, and you know, any the road to the uh, the World Series runs through the ALE, so to speak. So the Red Sox do remain the team to beat. Okay, we have a, a call on the line. Uh, I believe he has a question about the Yankees. So we'll put it right now. It's 718 area code. Uh, what's, what's on your mind? I have a question about the uh, New York Yankees. Hello. Uh, guys, do you think the absence of Andy Pettit, uh, Andy, the absence of Andy Pettit off the rotation will affect the Yankees' ability to win? Can you say it again, Mina? I don't know if we heard you. Repeat um, the question. voice is, like, really, uh, scratchy. Uh, do you think Andy Pettit's absence will affect the Yankees' ability? Like, oh, Andy do you think Andy Pettit's absence will hurt the Yankees any? Yeah. Right. Uh, you know, it hurts because, in a way, because he's he's the second best starter on the team. Um, so you want him to go out there and pitch the second game. But he's not going to miss the turn to the rotation. He's going to be the fifth man. We pitch five pitchers anyway. So he's going to be part of that first turn of the rotation. And really, it's almost like he didn't miss anything. He's, he was added onto the ZL retroactively. So he's not going to be out for 15 games. Um, he's going to just be out for these first few, and then he'll make the fifth start of the season. So I don't think it'll have much of an impact at all because, like I said, it's the first time through the rotation, and he'll be a part of it. So who's the, the team to beat for this season? Well, we already asked him that. <laughs> but uh, uh, you got to say, of course, um, as you said, Patrick, yeah, it is going to be the Red Sox. Now, you look across to the other teams, the Yankees will be starting against Toronto. I mean, out of those three teams, Toronto, Baltimore, Tampa Bay, I mean, obviously their teams don't scare you with their um, their offenses. Um, their pitching might scare a little bit. Casimir and Holiday, and uh, maybe, I don't know, maybe there's some young, young arms in Baltimore. But uh, out of those three teams, Patrick, uh, which of those two teams do you think has a shot of being in third place? As far as Blue Jays, Orioles, and... Um... Devil Rays, yes. Yeah, Devil Rays. <laughs> Sorry, Tampa Bay. Um, yeah, no, it's definitely the Blue Jays. And the Blue Jays have been, you know, by some people out there that predict these things, uh, the Blue Jays have not always been placed third. You know, I think some people have taken the Blue Jays to win the division. Some people have taken them to be second. You know, they're, they're definitely a good team. They have some good pitching. Um, and, you know, they could make some noise. I don't think – I think they'll finish third myself, but they're definitely a pretty good team. And the AL East is, you know, the toughest, if not – this, it's probably the toughest division in baseball um, with those three teams up there. In, in another division, the Blue Jays might be the second or even first place team. Um, you know, so definitely third place for me, but they're a pretty good team. Well, wow. one last question for you, uh, Patrick, is how bad do the Yankees need 
Giannis uh, to get back, you know, back in his prime, back in his heyday, back in his MVP type years, of, you know, in this lineup because they're really relying on him for a big year. They got him slotted behind a Rod in that lineup, you know, who's hurt the past two seasons. Do you think, you know, Jambi's kind of the, I don't know, kind of the guy the Yankees, you know, need to rely on for this offense, you know, be like it was back in the good days? You know, I, I there are I know some people out there that really feel that Giambi's, you know, we should we need to rely on Giambi because you know he has put up good numbers and he and can put and he can put up good numbers, but I really think it's a mistake for anyone to rely on him. Um, you know, let's see what we can get from him. That's fine, but we have the depth where we don't have to rely on him. He's, you know, we have other offensive contributors that um, have been more consistent, let's say, and can have performed at a similar level. Um, you know, as far as getting on base, you know, he's obviously one of the best on the team, but as far as being overall productive, you know, we don't have to rely on him. We have the depth where we don't have to do that. We have Posada, Cano, A-Rod, Jeter, um, Damon, Matsui. Uh, you know, we have a deep lineup. We have a lot of guys who can put the ball in play, who can hit home runs. If we get something with Giambi, that should be a bonus. You know, it should be uh, gravy. It shouldn't be something we should count on. Definitely. All right, so let's uh, – now we got the, um, the keys to Yankee season. Um, what's your prediction for the Yankees? I mean, I, I saw some uh, some of the, your fellow bloggers and colleagues over at Yanks Blog were uh, making standing predictions. So uh, what's your predictions uh, for the Yankees in that division and also – What's your AL championship uh, prediction? Well, um, I don't. I don't really like doing standing predictions because it's such a such a hit yeah. or miss thing. But I do put the Yankees as being first. I mean, uh, I don't know as far as wins. You know, ninety three, ninety four, ninety five, ninety six, something in there. I think that'll be what it takes to win the division most likely. And you know, if, if I think they're going to do it, and they'll edge out Boston, which will most likely be the wild card team, um, at least in my mind. And then, as far as into the playoffs, I'm kind of a, a one-team guy. I watch my Yankees real close, and I don't pay a heck of a lot of attention to everyone else. But if I had to uh, pick a team, you know, the Tigers are pretty good out of the Central. Um, lots of good pitching, good offense. Uh, and then out of the West, I'd probably still keep the Angels out there at the number one spot. Um, then, as far as the second, I mean, into the playoffs, I mean. You know, it wouldn't be surprising to see Yanks, Red Sox, ALCS, uh, certainly not. And I think I think that's where it could be headed for sure. I mean, but you could see the Indians get in there or, or you know, there's, there's the AL is very competitive. Mariners, Angels, Indians, um, Tigers, Blue Jays, Red Sox, Yankees, it's very competitive. But I guess I'll go Yankees, Red Sox, and ALCS, and then uh, Yankees in the World Series. Against, I don't know who the NL will throw at the AL this year. Um, I was just reading an article on ESPN the magazine about how weak the NL is. Um, uh, but uh, uh, no offense, <laughs> no okay. offense. I'll take the Mets. I'll take the Mets and the Yankees. That'll be a fun series. Uh, uh, then I have to take the Yankees to win it all. You know that. Okay. All right. Well, once again, Patrick, <laughs> once again, Patrick, we gotta thank you so much for your time. Say hello to Simus for us over at Yanks Blog. Seamus, uh, I will. Okay, great. All right, Patrick, we'll definitely see you down the line. So see you soon, man. All right, thanks, guys. Have a good night. No problem. Right, thanks. That, of course, is uh, Patrick O'Keefe of YanksBlog.com. And I'm wondering um, if uh, is our uh, uh, is, I'll call us on the line. Nina, you're still there? So, oh, guys, do you think the Mets will uh, live up to their promise and not let the Mets, fan, the Mets fans uh, down? Okay. So, uh, you got a question or anything? You know, any, anything on your mind? Uh, do you think your hand Santana can make an impact upon the Mets? Well, there's no question he's going to make an impact. I mean, uh, you want to how, you, how, how much you measure the impact in, in terms of wins. I think, you know, he has potential to really win 20 games. I mean, the way he pitched today, he had, uh, he had all of, um, as uh, Matt was saying earlier, his curveball looked great. Uh, I mean, he was. Um, Changes look good uh, too. Changes yeah, aside from that one month. Yeah, go ahead. Will the Mets win 100 games this season? Well, I don't think the Mets are gonna. I don't think the Mets are gonna win. I think it's gonna be really beating up between the Mets, Phillies, and the Braves. I think it's everybody's going to be battling it out too much. There's going to be a lot of, you know, maybe, you know, games, you know, two 
somebody's going to win a game in a series. I don't think there's going to be that many sweeps. They're going to be really battling it out against each other. So no, I don't really see anybody winning 100 wins in the NL East, which I would want the Mets to do, but the likelihood of it's not that great. No, no doubt about that. Uh, Mina, thank you so much for uh, calling in, and uh, I'll see you tomorrow. You're welcome, dude. All right, great. I've got a question. Uh, one of our uh, pre callers is tomorrow, man. That's, yes, you're tomorrow. That's Mina from uh, Brooklyn uh, calling in to share his thoughts. Um, we'll, we'll take a, a quick break uh, here in the sports docket, and then we'll come back and talk a little bit NCAA basketball. It's going to heat it up. Uh, of course, you got the hockey going on as well. Uh, the Rangers um, right now with a one nothing lead. It's a big game against Pittsburgh because they've only got four games to go, and they're trying to uh, get home ice advantage. And they'll definitely make the playoffs, but the question is there, will they uh, get home ice advantage going to the first round? Uh, Rangers and Devils, each with four games left apiece. Yeah, each trying to double the course of closing against the Rangers on Sunday afternoon. But we'll take a quick break on the sports talk, and I'll be back after this. Apparently, uh, Los Raiders playing games with me again, uh, so we're not going to take our commercial break. It's all right. We'll do it. We'll pull a Sports Seven, and we'll go commercial free tonight. Uh, but uh, oh, Matt, when's your next show? I know you're having, um, of course, Anthony DeRosa on from uh, Hotfoot. Uh, he also writes um, for Matt's blog as well. So when your next show is going to be uh, Wednesday night? Wednesday night at ten o'clock, as you just mentioned, Anthony Front DeRosa time. from. Hotfoot, yeah, prime time. That's right. It's ten o'clock. I'm just you know Q and A with him about Santana. Uh, you know, we'll see what Pedro does tomorrow, and then you know the night the night after the game. Also on Wednesday, once he gets in there, talk about a little uh, you know just about you know the latest you know the series, whatnot, whatever comes up, because you know there's still two more games in that series to come, so it should be really interesting. I'm looking forward to having him on our show. Definitely, no doubt about that. Um, of course, well, let's just switch gears a little bit. You want to get into this as well. Uh, on Saturday, April 5th, you're going to have your final four. And uh, you know what? Who could predict this? They don't call it March Madness for nothing. And, uh, you know, you have your top seed in East uh, region getting the victory. I mean, Davidson was trying to beat George Mason of last year. Uh, Stephen Curry was keeping, it, um, keeping the run going there. He was scoring about 28 points per game. They were doing upsets left and right. Uh, first, they beat Gonzaga. Yeah, go ahead. Let me tell you what, Stephen Curry guy, that guy is good quas, man. That guy can light it up. And then also, I don't know if you heard, he's nope. going to be returning for his junior year at Davidson. So, you know, Nick fans out there wanting him, you know, for that, you know, top, top five spot, uh, it's not happening. Yeah, I mean, and also with, with Curry as well. I mean, Curry, he looks like a high school kid. I mean, he's uh I mean, he's just an outstanding player. I mean, even in the loss against Kansas, the two-point loss, uh, when they just fell short, uh, they missed the three at the buzzer. Uh, Curry had 25 points. So the big, uh, the big reason why Kansas won that game was because they contained the Curry in that game. He was uh, nine for nine for 25 uh, from the floor. So uh, of course, when you're not hitting your shots, uh, you're not going to be as successful as you want to be. But uh, Kansas, number one seed. Uh, with that 35 and 30, 35 and three record uh, defeating Davidson, but Davidson had a pretty nice run for, for what it was worth. Uh, you never expect uh, going into a um, special team like Davidson. You never expect the 10th seed to go as far as they did. But a nice job by Davidson. But again, we're looking at um, first time ever uh, the four top seeds in the uh, uh, in the Final Four. You got North Carolina. You got Kansas, you got Memphis, and you also got UCLA. So I mean, anybody who uh, picked their brackets and, and hung in tight with the uh, top seeds instead of picking for dramatic upsets outside Davidson, uh, you, you did very well in your bracket. 
So if you have a North Carolina, I mean, Tyler Hansborough just looks phenomenal. Um, 28 points, 13 rebounds against Louisville in that 83-73 win. So I, I think North Carolina can win the whole thing. I, I, I was I was on them the whole time. We had a guest on a couple weeks ago, a uh, Tar Heels guy and a college basketball guru, and uh, he basically uh, said North Carolina is going to win it all. Two happens again, North Carolina and Kansas, uh, they're pretty well matched as well as UCA and Memphis. But what are your thoughts? I mean, would you have predicted a Final Four like this? No. You know, like you said, it's the first time ever all number, all the number one seeds have advanced to the Final Four. You know, they do this for a reason with these brackets. You know, they try to, you know, try to have it equal and, you know, have the best teams come out of each region. Well, I guess these, you know, four number one seeds are the best to come out of their regions. I mean, my bracket's barely holding on. I had Georgetown, UNC, Stanford, and uh, UCLA in the Final Four. So well, I'm kind of hoping. Uh, yeah, I kind of guessed that wrong. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I was way off on that. Davidson, way off on that. I still have UNC and UCLA playing in the championship game, and I have uh, UCLA beating UNC in that. So I'm kind of hoping, I, you know, they could both hang on and play in that game because then I would really yeah, help I'm also me out. a big fan of North Carolina there. I mean, they're just a fantastic team uh, with Tyler Hanborough. Yeah, Ty, Ty Watson, Roy Williams on that team. No question. I mean, that's an amazing team. I mean, a lot of people second-guessed them. They didn't think they could beat Louisville, but uh, they came out strong against Louisville. I mean, how about that uh, 20-minute stretch? Uh, Hanborough had 20 points in 20 minutes. Um, overall ended with 13 rebounds. And he was on fire that game. The NBA draft just waiting to pick uh, Hanborough and, and sign him off to a team. Um, I mean, it's going to be amazing to see you in the Final Four. I mean, I guess uh, you could say that the NCAA got what they wanted. I mean, they got uh, the ideal matchup, you know, with the uh, top seed in each region making I mean, who would have predicted that? So, uh, And but, it should be interesting. Memphis, if Memphis could hit their, you know, their free throws, you know, mm-hmm. they could do 100% from the line. They could do some damage against, you know, UCLA and then, you got well, the Bruins have a lot of Kansas. history. Um, the Bruins, I think, uh, maybe in the 50s or 60s, they won about eight in a row or something like that. I mean, they were good back in the day, and they're starting, they're starting to return back that aura. So yeah, Kevin happen. Love. That guy's good. Kevin Love is, is phenomenal. Uh, I mean, you know, Memphis also, you got to – I mean, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a great matchup. Can't wait for Memphis and UCLA, North Carolina-Kansas games. Um, I, I think it's going to be North Carolina-UCLA – just because uh, those teams have seemed to – I mean, Kansas has had a couple of scares in the uh, Final Fours, uh, in the um, NCAA uh, championship so far. And you want – I mean, and Kansas beat Villanova down the stretch. I mean, Kansas is doing pretty good as well, but I think UCLA uh, is going to hold their part here and they're going to get to the, to the ch- uh, championship in San Antonio. But, again, uh, see what happens. Also, it's going to be a big day on Monday, April 7th, because on April 7th, you have your final four, but before that, you have your Mets opening day with Pedro on the mound. So that's going to be a lot of versus fun. The, versus the Phillies, it's going to be something. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. I mean, uh, uh, they're talking about it um, on the air today, uh, both with the TV and the radio. They're saying, you know, once you get to that uh, first game, that opening day, I mean, Beltran and Rollins are going to go head to head for the first time uh, in 2008 after those comments. And Rollins uh, got off to a pretty good start. Uh, when the Phillies lost and got crushed by the Nationals, uh, Rollins got off to a pretty good start. And Bolton, of course, two ripped. He just he ripped two doubles, and that was amazing. Uh, so we'll see what happens in come opening day. But uh, it's going to be exciting. We're going to be uh, closing off a little bit here. Uh, so once again, Matt, when's when your show going to be at? Uh, Wednesday night with uh, Anthony DeRosa, right? Yep, that is and. Uh, Klaus, I just want to thank you for you know letting me come no, on. No, here I, I got to thank you. I really have to thank you for taking your time uh, to join me. Uh, Ace Man was unable to join us tonight. Uh, we'll, we'll be back on on Thursday with uh, Ace Man and the Klaus. But once again, of course, Matt joining us here, and uh, we end off with a little song. But uh, once again, Matt, thanks so much for your time and uh, coming on tonight. Uh, no problem, guys. And uh, as always, as I close out my show, let's go Mets. Let's go, 
Ness, and we'll see everybody. I'll see everybody Thursday night. Matt will see you on his program on Wednesday night. Talk Radio.